This is the word of the Lord from Isaiah 40. Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim is ignored by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Good morning. Uh, my name is Matt. I am the rabbi of uh, Restoration in Seattle. It's a Messianic synagogue, so I'm a rabbi that believes in Jesus, just in case you're worried about that. It's never fails. Somebody's, uh, I preach a whole message on the gospel, and then somebody comes up to me after a church service and says, I just want to make sure, do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, it's funny reading that scripture, um, Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31, because I think if anybody deserves to grow tired and weary, it would be God. He makes promises to his people, and over 5,784 years on the Jewish calendar, uh, we keep doing the one thing God told us not to do, which is to forget to remember him. There's all kinds of, uh, in our celebrations, and our holidays, um, there's all kinds of reminders of who God is and who he's called us to be as his people. Um, I remember in high school, I was uh, shared an art table with um, an atheist Jew. So she was an atheist Jew. I'm a Messianic Jew. There were no regular Jews at the table. And... <laughs> Um, and we were talking about Passover, and she asked me, how do you celebrate Passover? And I said, we celebrate Passover. Uh, you know, part of it is the death and resurrection of Jesus because it all happened during Passover. And she, I said, what do you do as, as an atheist? It must be weird to celebrate Passover. And she said, yeah, we just celebrate Passover as uh, the victory of the Jewish people without God. And I just looked at her and said, that's exactly what the Torah says not to do. You're not supposed to leave God. We're not supposed to celebrate our own strength. We're supposed to celebrate God's strength. So I just, I think it's interesting when we talk about weariness and, and being tired that I think the one who probably makes most sense to be weary and tired is God. Because if I were God, I'd be exhausted. <laughs> People doing the same thing like having teenagers for the rest of your life for eternity, uh, constantly doing things that we know we shouldn't do. Um, and the truth is, you know, with all the turmoil that's been happening in the last few weeks in Israel, you know, from a human standpoint, the Jewish people should not exist. Uh, most of our ancient enemies, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Philistines, the, they all cease to exist at some point. And or they're diminished in power like Egypt, which is prophecies in scripture that Egypt will always be there, but it'll never be what it used to be. Um, 
And yet this little group of people, the Jewish people, are still here. And the reason why we're still here is because God's promised he would never leave us or forsake us. That's it. Our, our continued existence is the greatest proof that God keeps his promises. If the Jewish, disappear, if the Jewish people disappear, then God was a liar. Uh, you know, the largest Jewish population in uh, recorded history was in 1938, just prior to the Holocaust. There were 15.7 million Jewish people recorded. Of course, a third of our people were murdered in the Holocaust, and yet today, all these years later, the worldwide Jewish population approaches the same number as it did in 1938. And it's true, as a people, we're resilient. We face all kinds of hate and pressure from our enemies, and always have. There's never been a time in our history as a people where another people or nation hasn't tried, and even with some success, to eradicate us. And so the question is, well, why are we even still here? And really, that's the heart of the verses we read in Isaiah 40. Um, there's a lot of debate on whether Isaiah is one author or two or maybe even more because the tone of Isaiah 1 through 39 seems different from the tone of Isaiah 40 to 66. And the first part of the book's focused on judgment with some hope, judgment because we, the Jewish people, failed to keep our part of the covenant with God. And we forgot to remember what he promised, that we would never forget God who saved us. And really, all of our Jewish holidays, we say, uh, have three things that we celebrate at all Jewish holidays. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. (laughs) Um, But the truth is, we never actually win because it's the promises of God that sustain us even in the face of pain, heartbreak, war, and lack of hope. God gives us hope because he has proven himself in our history as a people. And not just hope for ourselves as a people, but also our mission, which is consistent through the entirety of scripture, to share the good news with the Gentiles. Uh, He did it, and he continues to do it for us, and he can give hope to anyone who turns to God for hope from any nation. Uh, So far before God removed us from the land of Israel, there's a time in our history called the Babylonian captivity, and we were in the land of Israel, and the Babylonians came and took us from the land of Israel and took us to Babylon, which is right around the region where Abraham actually first came from. And Isaiah is prophesying both of God taking us into captivity and our eventual coming back to the land of Israel 70 years after. But of course, Isaiah is prophesying that both things hundreds of years before they even happen. So Isaiah 1 through 39 is kind of, you're going to be taken captive because you forgot to remember God. And Isaiah 40 then sort of shifts, and the rest of the book becomes, there's going to be another time where after you are in captivity, God will bring you back to the land and will restore the hope that you have. So chapter 40 of Isaiah, verse 1 and 2, starts with, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to the heart of Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her warfare has ended, which it never really has that her iniquity has been removed, for she has received from Adonai's hand double for all of her sins. But the people say, where we started in the scripture reading, 
Isaiah 40, verse 27. It says, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from Adonai, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? It's like, how could you let this happen to us again, is what Israel is saying. Do you not see us? Are you not seeing what's happening to us? Not just for Israel and in war that's happening in Israel, but when we all find ourselves in places of weariness and tiredness and things happen and relationships that you didn't plan for and uh, things happen with illness and sickness and death and all of these things happen. And, And we turn to God and we say, are you not even aware of me? Do you not even understand the promises that you made and what, why these things are happening to us. And of course, God answers in a very Jewish way. He just answers questions with more questions. Verse 28, Isaiah 40, verse 28, the Lord says, have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the eternal God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow tired or weary. He should, but he doesn't. And his understanding is unsearchable. Because I'm telling you, if anybody deserves to be tired and weary, it's God even more than us. Because he makes promises to people who break the promises and do the very things that he tells us not to do. And then we get angry at him for judging us when he told us he would. (laughs) If we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Or worse, we say things like, well, God doesn't judge people anymore because that was the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, God just loves people. (laughs) He does. But wrath and judgment are part of his love. He doesn't do it to hurt people, to hurt those he loves. He, He does it because we're the ones not listening. And he keeps trying to get us to listen. And when we don't listen, um, we find ourselves tired and weary. Of course, God has the benefit of knowing all things, the the beginning from the end. He holds the past, the present, and the future. Time itself belongs to him because he's not constrained by time because time is a part of his creation. He stands outside of it because he created it. And so verse 29, it says, he gives strength to the weary, and to one without vigor, he adds might. And even youths, verse 30, grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That word where it says wait, but they who wait for the Lord in Hebrew is actually the word for hope. It's those who hope for the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in God will renew their strength. And it's, it's funny because we do grow weary and we do have tiredness for all kinds of reasons. And this is not a promise that we're not going to be tired or weary. It's a promise that if you keep hope in who God is, no matter how tired or weary you are, you can still trust that he's going to do what he said because we have hope. We do not grow tired or weary in our hope of who God is and what he's done. You know, it's one of the most famous verses in scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, defines hope for us. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen. And then Hebrews 11 goes on to 
list all of the ways the, leader of Israel, the leaders of Israel, at least the good ones, which are really messy good ones, continued to hope in God in the face of great pain and heartache and attacks from our enemies. So verse 2, Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, For by hope the elders of Israel receive commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen did not come from anything visible. When everything visible is trouble, chaos, darkness, even when what is happening in our lives or the world seems void of hope, there is always hope. We just have to remember not to forget the promises that God made to the Jewish people and by extension to anyone from any nation who calls on the name of Jesus. If anyone deserves to be tired or weary, it would first be God because he makes promises to us and we forget to remember the one thing he told us to not forget, which is if you hope for Adonai, the Lord, Will renew, it will, he will renew our strength. We will soar up with wings as eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, I am the most weary I've ever been in my life at this moment in my life. I am hyperactive and I always have been and I've always had more energy to do more and go harder than everyone I know. And for years, I've moved with great swiftness. Even when I was overweight, I moved with great swiftness. Some of you are like, you're still overweight. I know. It's, but shh, don't ruin the point. There's swiftness. I was here, that I was everywhere. I was preaching in Seattle and preaching to, in New York, preaching all over the country and connecting with influential people in the church. I was at that conference and this conference and all the conferences um, that uh, are all, you know, were names, very inspirational names like Drive and Forward and, you know. Since 2014, I've been to Ethiopia six times and Zimbabwe six times in medical clinics. Um, I've been to Nigeria and Zambia. I've been to Israel five times. I've been writing and preaching sermons all over the world and I have helped people and I've loved people. I've also hurt people with my bad attitudes, and no matter what's happening, what I've always had is I just keep going. I'm like uh, the old ad campaign from the Energizer Bunny, which began in 1989, and the, the slogan is, nothing outlasts the Energizer. It keeps going and going and going and going, fades out. In, in 2016, they kind of rebranded the Energizer Bunny, and the slogan now is, still going. I'm that bunny. And the truth is, I hate sitting still. Um, I hate it. And I hate it because when I sit still, I have to deal with things that I don't have to deal with when I'm moving fast. There's a great song by uh, Sleeping at Last. If, if you're Enneagram fans, um, You'll connect with this. If you're not, just pretend I didn't say the Enneagram and move on. Um, but 
This song is called Seven for Sevens, like me. And uh, it starts with how nice, how nice it'd be if we could try everything. I'm serious, let's make a list and just begin. What about danger? So what? What about risk? Let's climb this mountain before we cross that bridge. Cause I'm restless. Oh, I'm restless. I'm restless for whatever comes next. Cause if there's something next, if there's something fun in the future, if there's something to get excited about, then it's easier for me to feel alive and I just have to keep moving and not slow down. And then in June, I found out I had a CML, which is a type of leukemia. And it's a form of leukemia that thankfully won't kill me. It's weird to have cancer that won't kill you. It's a weird emotional journey of cancer. That means I'm going to die. But this one's not going to kill you. In fact, my oncologist said to me, you're going to die of lots of other things before you die of, can- of this cancer. Oh, thank you. She also said, if you're going to get leukemia, this is the best leukemia you could get. And I thought, nailed it. <laughs> and we live in this age of uh, medical miracles and this pill that I'm taking called Spricel is a medical miracle. There's no radiation, there's no chemo, there's no um, um, bone marrow transplants. It's just a pill I take every morning that will keep my cancer in the earliest stage for the rest of my life. And with any type of blood cancer, there's physical exhaustion because the cancer is everywhere in my bloodstream. And one of the side effects of the medication is soreness and tingling, neuropathy in my hands and feet. And uh, it's sort of this ever-present, really weird experience. Um, It's the reason why the last few months I sit down when I preach, because uh, it's standing is just too exhausting, and I'm trying to mitigate the exhaustion Um, I'm also a very emotional preacher, which was sort of always exhausting, but the physical exhaustion is far different than whatever I've experienced. And it's all very strange experience to feel my body this way. Um, It totally beats death, for real. Um, But I found myself in tears just a, a few weeks ago because... I love going to these medical clinics in Africa. I love to travel. And there's little basic things, like I preached on Saturday morning. I went to an event last night for a friend's ministry. I'm here preaching um, in these two services. And the chances are that I will be just as exhausted by the end of today as, I, as the exhaustion I would have felt flying to Zimbabwe for 30 hours doing a 10-day missions trip and coming back. Um, but it's so much less. And then I had this moment where I just said to the Lord, are, am, are you going to let me go back? 
And I don't think everything is lost, but there's a tiredness from so little that I don't think I can do all the things that I have done. And my oncologist told me that my energy will probably improve because I'm young and healthy. And Well, here's the, the next part of that, seven, uh, that song, Seven, from Sleeping at Last. It says, let me tell you, let me tell you another secret of the trade. It feels like sinking when I'm standing in one place. So I look to the future and I book another flight. When everything feels heavy, I've learned to travel light. I, I didn't even know, and because I think it was unconscious, but I've had this kind of unconscious secret, even to myself, yearning desire just to sit still. And a lot of my moving was avoidance of pain and sadness and grief. I call myself the happy rabbi because I just want to be happy. I don't want to be sad. And pain and trauma that I didn't deal with from childhood, I started dealing with in counseling the last four years. And my relentless moving, my needing the next great thing, my needing to feel something because I couldn't feel emotions the way I'm supposed to, um, became exhausting. And I came across just this week something I wrote a year ago in my journal, and I was surprised at what I wrote. I wrote it on October 24th, 2022, eight months before I found out I had cancer. And I wrote, give me compassion and empathy for myself. Help me be compassionate and empathetic towards the pain of others. Kill my false self and give me the strength to let my real self emerge. Thank you for not healing me instantly. Thank you for always binding my wounds to give them time to heal. Bind them again. I'm ready to sit still and wait on you to heal me in your time. But I didn't know I was going to get cancer. I was talking about like emotional healing, (laughs) spiritual healing. I didn't need physical healing a year ago. And well-meaning people keep praying for me that God will heal me instantly. And I am a recovering Pentecostal, so I believe God can do that. I've seen him do it. I know he can do it. But what I realized that for me in this part of my life, I don't want God to heal me instantly because I don't think it would be good for me. I need to sit still for a while. For a while. And it turns out, as one of my friends who's uh, had cancer for the last 13 years and had over 35 surgeries, and, and uh, he's doing well in spite of all of those things, but it certainly has less time than more time. And I interviewed him a few years ago, and I asked him, What is it like living with cancer? And he said, the truth is, I'm better with cancer. 
Because on my own, I just keep going. But with cancer, I have to turn to the Lord. And for me, it's, I would just keep running. I'll just keep doing. And my energy can outlast everyone else. And I don't think all that's gone. I have hope. But I do think the Lord has forced me to slow down. Not because he's angry at me or because he's trying to hurt me or because the things I did were a waste of time. Um, but because he loves me so much. Because his ner- mercies are new every morning. Um, I feel like he knew I wouldn't slow down unless he made me. And so I wake up every morning and I take my cancer pill at the same time as my Ritalin. (laughs) And I thank God for cancer. I thank God for a cancer that won't kill me. But the truth is I'm going to die anyway. And I hope not for a while. In the meantime, I want to sit still and wait for God to heal me in his time because I've tried my timing and I'm exhausted. More so, my running and my looking for the next exciting thing always needing something to make myself feel alive, exhausted, everyone I love. And they kept trying to tell me. And I couldn't understand why everyone was just trying to hold me back. But they weren't. I was exhausting to myself. And the deeper pain is dealing with how exhausting I have been to people I love and I hurt people that I love looking to fill something that I couldn't fill on my own and I knew it I've preached it I talk about it I can tell you what your problem is that's easy (laughs) but dealing with my own is the last part of the song seven by sleeping at last says I just want to be here, truly be here, to watch the ones that I love bloom. I want to make room to love them through and through and through and through the slow and barren seasons too. I feel hope Deep in my bones Tomorrow will be beautiful And I'm ready God, I'm ready Oh, I'm ready Restless and hungry I'm ready For whatever comes next Because I don't need something next anymore. 
I don't want something excited to feel alive anymore. The truth is I can feel my body for the first time in my life. It's uh, tingling and soreness in my hands and my feet. It's this ever-present reminder that I can't run anymore and I need to sit still. That's what's next. And look, the fun's not over. I'm still going to have fun. But the need for fun, to feel alive, is over. Now I can just be grateful in the present. And that sounds super spiritual, because it is. There's a lot of darkness in the midst of all of these feelings. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just good now. I'm not. But, you know, after the list of all the amazing people in Israel's history in Hebrews 11, they're like amazing and really messed up people. Uh, They all hoped for things that they would never see in their lifetime. And we, as the Jewish people, still face hatred just for being Jews in this world. But we still find hope where we were told to find hope in the first place. In a God who does not grow tired or weary. And when we grow tired and weary, we're supposed to remember that if anybody deserves to grow tired and weary, it would be God. Because he makes promises to us as people and we keep doing the things he tells us not to do and we're supposed to remember him. We're supposed to remember what he did for us when he saved us. Not just once, but many, many times, over 5,784 years in our history. So the writer of Hebrews continues in chapter 12, and he says this about those who came before us. He says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race before us, focusing on Jesus, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before them, he, him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. My encouragement to you this morning is don't, grow weary. Don't lose heart. God is still God. Yeshua is our salvation. It's what his name means, by the way, in Hebrew. Yeshua literally means salvation. It's not only who he is, it's what he does. He's our hope for the Jewish people and for anyone from any nation who calls on the name of Jesus. So I'd like to tell you who Jesus is. He's the one we hope in. He is Messiah, he is Savior, he is the visible image of the invisible God, he's the God of our fathers, he's the one in whose image human beings were made, he's the one Abraham rejoiced over, the promised son of Isaac, the one Jacob wrestled for a blessing, the one Moses said would come, the one in the line of Judah, the one who was to sit on the throne of David, the one Isaiah said would suffer, the one that shut the mouths of lions for Daniel, the one who appeared in a fiery furnace with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah 
Zechariah, the one Zechariah said would be king, the one Malachi saw riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, the one Matthew saw as a fulfillment of prophecy, the one who fulfills the reading of scripture in Luke, the one Peter claimed as Messiah, the one who offered his life in the place of his people on Passover, the one who rose from the dead on the third day, the one who appeared resurrected for 40 days that we count between Passover and Shavuot, the one who explained the things written about himself and all of the scriptures on the road to Emmaus, the one who ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, the one who gave his spirit to the Jewish people on Shavuot, uh, Pentecost, the one who sent his Jewish disciples to teach the Gentiles all that he taught them. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I'm telling you that even when we can't run anymore and when we feel tired and weary, what we can't lose is hope. Hope that the one who did all of these things was dead and is now alive so that he can renew our strength. We're all going to grow weary, and we're all going to grow tired, and we're all going to die. But while we are alive, we don't have to grow weary with a lack of hope because we know who our hope is really in. We will be tired, but we will never be tired of the hope we have in Jesus. For me, for the Jewish people, and for you wonderful and lovely Gentiles who call on the name of Jesus and join us, the Jewish people, in 5,784 years of hope in the one who gives us hope in the first place. Lord God, we thank you that though we grow tired and weary, you never will. And we thank you that there is great hope in the midst of all kinds of difficulties, whether they're the difficulties in our city or the difficulties in the world or difficulties in our home, difficulty in our relationships. Lord, would you remind us and inspire us that there is always hope for anyone who turns to Jesus, to anyone who turns to the one who gave us hope in the first place. We love you, Lord, and we are grateful for the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.